Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Okay, uh, good morning to all of you. I know that you have come to hear from God as the people of God they should do. Therefore, this morning, it is my prayer that to be a righteous instrument in the hand of God communicating his word to you guys. I am coming from a country that the government has a hostile reaction towards Christianity. Uh, The hostile uh, reaction in this way that they raid our cell churches, they arrest the people, they put them in jail, and heavy bails on them. And for the past 45 years, this is the story we have. And a lot of our brothers and sisters, they had to leave the country in the fear for their lives. And uh, most of them, they are now in Turkey, and that's the tricky place to be at this moment. The reason is United Nations has closed down the, their office over there, and the cases of Muslim background Christians are being handled with Muslim Turkish police. So you see that what the irony is, and probably the decisions on the files have been made even before coming to be checked or examined. Yes, we are coming from persecution. And persecution is not something that it's new for us. We are living the persecution. But I believe that it's not to be new to you too. Because the word of God says that anyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer. Godly life is the kind of life that we have been called to live it because it is based on the biblical values, the values that the world doesn't recognize them and they are these values are the, against the values of the Bible. When I look at this verse which comes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I don't see any hint of a particular geographical place or any certain uh, political regime. It says that wherever you are, under which political regime you are in, if you are living a godly life, you will suffer. Suffering is something that we are familiar, all of us, we are familiar with it, and church history is familiar with sufferings. But at the same time, it has become really a classic excuse for the people that they want not to believe in God. They say that if your God is as good as you say, definitely he wouldn't want his people to live under persecution and hardship, and definitely he would want them to be prosperous. 
And they continue and say, and if your God is as powerful as you say, definitely he has the power to change the situation. But when we look at the world, we see that the world is under sufferings. Therefore, your God neither is good nor powerful or both of them. When you hear what they say, initially it becomes very logical, especially when you are under persecution yourself at the midst of a lot of hardship. But the best thing we could do, actually, is bring under question the the presuppositions they have when they say these type of things. But the question remains, really, from where? We have so much sufferings in the world, and why God doesn't do anything about it. When I look to the religions and philosophies that now we have been surrounded, I see that none of the philosophies or religions have been able really to pinpoint where the persecution, where the suffering in the world coming from. All of them, they are in a way that they themselves, they have been confused, and somehow they are chasing their own tail. Let me bring you some examples. For example, in Islam, regarding suffering, it says that, you know, it's the will of God. The only thing you can do is just you need to submit yourself to the will of God, and eventually God is going to bring something out of it. It's your destiny. It is something that... It has been written on your forehead, therefore you need to submit. In Hinduism, basically, it is like what goes around comes around. You suffer now because in previous life you, would, uh, you were bad. And you suffer now well, pr- probably in the in future life you are going to be good and well off. In Buddhism, actually, it goes much further and say that, you know what? Our sufferings, they are coming from the desire to have. Therefore, kill your desires, then the suffering is gone. Basically, they say that, kill what humanity is in you. Because we as human beings, we are full of desires. And those desires, actually, they, they make us to run forward. But kill yourself, and the suffering has finished. Then panentheism comes up and says that, you know what, God is in everything and everywhere. So if that's true, then what is the point? God is in everything. And naturalism comes and says that, you know what, don't look beyond uh, this world regarding your questions and the answers. Beyond this natural world, there is nothing. Therefore, look for your answers inside this natural world. Okay, if that's the case, under this natural world, who is going to define for me what evil is? What suffering is? What good is? And there you go. We are confused and we are chasing our own tail. But as a matter of fact, while neither philosophy or religion is capable of answering the questions, And still the question remains, as a matter of fact, the only time we can have clear picture regarding suffering is that we assume there is God. Because when we believe that there is God, then everything actually makes sense. 
The Bible clearly tells us that from where the suffering comes and how we should really cope with it. So, I can come up and say that our God cannot destroy suffering in the world the way human wants. We want the suffering to be wiped away from our lives. But it's not going to happen because the suffering is not coming from the will of God, but it is much more the decision of man. It was man who created the suffering when decided that wants to live a life independent from God. All of you have heard that. You know, when God created the world, he created a good world. Everything in it was good because God brought an orderly universe from disorder. So when he looked at this universe and everything in it was working as it should, then he felt shalom. Peace, we say. Because everything was over there and working as it should. But when man decided that, okay, I am going to live my life independent from God, actually he introduced the virus of disorder into this creation. And everything went into corruption, as it says in Romans chapter 8. And from then on, we see that nothing actually works as it should. Therefore, it is for God impossible, actually, uh, for God to destroy the suffering as we want. Because suffering itself is an effect of what man decided to do. So, the atheists, they are right in saying that. How could this good and all-powerful God can stay idle and do nothing when he sees the suffering in the world. Yes, he can't. And he, he didn't. Actually, he did something so fundamental. He solved the problem from its root. You know how? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. I'm giving you time to open it, either in your book or in your mobile or in your mind, if you are, you know the Bible by memory. <laughs> Quite a challenge. <laughs> Over there, Paul in chapter 5, Romans, he writes to Romans and us, therefore, remember that when this therefore comes, it means that. He has said something before, not taking the conclusion to it. So, for knowing that what he's talking about, you need to read the first four chapters. But I'm continuing from this text. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into disgrace in which we stand. And we receive we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. 
And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you. He's confirming what I said. God bless you. Amen to it. (laughs) Since we have been justified by faith. This word justified and justification, as a matter of fact, it's a judicial word. You can use it in the courts. And basically it says, we have been declared not guilty in the court of God. Not that we were not guilty, we were guilty. But the point is, from judicial viewpoint, someone else has paid the penalty. Someone else has paid the debt. Do you remember Jesus' last word on the cross? He said that it is finished. As a matter of fact, in Greek, it says teletestai. And teletestai is a banking word. And it means fully paid or paid in full. That's what Jesus was saying on the cross. Fully paid. The debt we had created, actually, it was paid by Jesus. That's why we have been declared not guilty. Because someone else took the bill for us. And it says that because by faith we declared not guilty. Faith is really a very big word when it comes to it. We think that there is a pill that if I take it, my uh, faith is going to be increased and I'm going to be like Popeye by eating <laughs> that, that, that pill. It's not. Faith is really a simple word. Peace this. Uh, something like believing. Simply believing. You believe that this morning we are going to have a service. You believe that your car is working properly. That's why in the morning you got up, you dressed up, you went into your car and drove here. Because you believe that we have a service and there is a car for you that works properly. That's why you arranged your life based on what you believed. And that's believing. With this definition, everybody lives by faith. Everybody lives by believing. But the right believing is we arrange our lives based on what we believe. Therefore, when we say that we believe the whole Bible, it means that I believe whatever comes in it and I give order and definition and direction to my life based on what I believe. And if that's true, and we examine ourselves, I'm afraid so many times our Bible will shrink into three pages. Because a lot of things we say that we believe, but when we look at our lives, we see that our lives have not found its direction based on what we believe. So, The kind of being declared not guilty in the court of God means that we believe in the right Jesus. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why I say that? Because a lot of people, they create the type of Jesus that accommodates their own thought. That's not the right Jesus. And what he did and what he said, we just selective believe what he said, and then we just selective we obey what, what he wants us to do. That's not the kind of belief that takes us to being not guilty in the court of God. But Paul says that we have been declared not guilty in the court of God because of the faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have directed our lives and we have given order to our lives based on who he is and what he has done for us and what he wants us to do. That's why he says that we have peace with God. Peace with God. Peace is a relational word. It means that when we get declared not guilty and when we come to this God, we start a relationship before We didn't have any relationship with him. Sin condition had put us against God. And we were in the condition that automatically we were enemy. Enemies with God. But now in our relationship we are friends. We have peace with God. And he continues and says that. And not only that. We have porosa (laughs) goge. Don't get really panicked when a preacher brings you know, Greek words you don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's for advertisement of how they are knowledgeable. But <laughs> not with me. I'm a humble person. But the reason I brought it in Greek, because this word has two meanings which we don't have it in English and even in Persian. This word, first meaning is, Bringing someone into the presence of the king. Not to be punished, but to be rewarded, to be honored. And the second meaning to it is a port. That the ships that they are at the midst of all storms and stormy seas, they can take refuge in it. So what Paul says that through the work Jesus did for us, We have been declared not guilty and we are at peace with God. And not only that, we can come so easily before the king in the presence of the king. And no matter what happens in our lives, at any time we can take refuge at the port. At the port that it is our refuge place. I think you reacted too soon. That's normal. The people, when they hear that, ah, it's free. It's free gift. There you go. Hallelujah. But you will know that it's not free the way we think it's free. Why? Let me tell you. Of course, this is grace. This is what God does because of his love to us. His love, when it comes in relationship with man, it changes into grace. 
And God does something to us that we couldn't do for ourselves. That's why it's a gift of God. And when we receive it, as a matter of fact, it, it does something wonderful in us. It changes the view we have for everything. And here, <laughs> hallelujah, but so what? Why God does such a thing? Definitely God has a purpose in doing such a big thing for us. Of course he has. Because he wants to do his work in this world through you and I. That's why. But the problem is, God, before being able to use us for, for his purposes, he needs first to do something for us. He did. On the cross. Jesus died for us. He made Relationship with God possible for us. Now we are at peace with him. But the second one, which we see it in Ephesians chapter 2. Yes, we were dead and he raised us and we are sitting now with him at the right hand of God. But then what? Then when the Holy Spirit actually dwells in us, automatically at the time of receiving this grace of God, we become responsible to put ourselves in the discipline that this grace actually grace. This grace, not this grace. This grace. <laughs> this grace actually puts on us. Discipline of faith, faith, discipline of grace. It means that we need really to give room and time and let the Holy Spirit work his way in us day by day so that from inside we start becoming every day more as Jesus was. That's transformation every day. That's sanctification every day because it's his purpose that we change every day into the image of his son. So that in chapter, in chapter 2 verse 10 it says that. So that we become his masterpiece. Equipped for doing whatever is good. So for becoming masterpiece. Wonderful tool in his hand. To fulfill his purposes in this world. We need to let God to work in us. And that is for the period of our lifetime. So, if we receive grace, hallelujah, but we are responsible to put ourselves in the discipline of grace. And that's something we are missing in our churches. Of course, we are so happy to have mutual relationship with God. Of course we are so happy. The burden of sin. To go away from us. But that's not. The end of the story. Because if. We don't really put ourselves. Into the process. Really. We are going to miss the whole. Point. Before coming. To hear, I was in another seminar and all the workers, they had come together and we were talking about mission field. 
And all of us, we came to the conclusion that in the mission field, our need is not Bible school. In the mission field, our need is not more churches and churches and churches. In the mission field, what we lack is proper discipling. And that's what the churches, that's we have been called individually and collectively to do it. And when I look at you guys, I envy you. Because you have something that a lot of churches, a lot of people, they don't have it. Let me tell you about the first time I saw your pastor. I saw your pastor in one uh, seminar there was over there. And he came to me and we sat down and he shared what was in his life and vision. He wants to really to reach out. And the things that I have heard the whole my life. So with hallelujah, amen, and a smile, I tried to, to get away. I did. <laughs> but I thought that I did. Three months later, I am now in Glasgow at the middle of nowhere. Suddenly, your pastor appears there. <laughs> How did he find me? So we had a pizza. I don't say what pizza was. No, I will say it was Haggis pizza. So you go and search what Haggis pizza is. And again, he shared his vision. And I said, look, this man is serious. He has followed me you know, to the end of the world, just again to share his heart with me. So he invited me to come to States and have Islamics course for, for his church. And Louise, my wife, and I, we came. And there were a lot of things in the church he was serving. And a lot of young people coming and going, and ask, what is going on? They said that, oh, we have, we have Patmos. I said, what is Patmos? They said that, ah, oh, it's the discipleship course we have started. What type of discipleship course you have? They said that, no, it's practical discipleship. I said, what type of discipleship? No, it is practical. They said that based on Jesus' life, three years making disciples, we have condensed it into four months. I said, that's good. And they said, no, and it's practical. By the way, tonight, we are at the Last Supper. So I was invited to be you know, a part of that Last Supper. In the evening, I went over there. Everything was food and everything. It was Last supper So they were sitting down. And I, I became very curious. Started talking to the students over there. Wow. They were telling me stories that it was unbelievable what it was. They were true. They were sitting in front of me. There were young men and women that they had been really uh, freed from the bondage of narcotics, sex addiction, abusive family anger issue, all those type of things that you want to really be released from it. And these people, they were you know, testifying to me that God has done all these things in them. 
Tomorrow I went to their session. <laughs> it was boot camp. That was the first time I could see Christian discipleship course in boot camp. Practically, they were making themselves disciples. They were living as the disciple of Jesus. And it opened up really a great door for us. I recorded their testimonies. We put it on SD card cards. We smuggled them inside and we distributed in our cell churches. Wow. The blessing was tremendous. And it encouraged me to come back and we recorded the whole courses. Whatever they had, we recorded in Persian and Farsi. Persian and Farsi is the same. We recorded in English. We recorded in English and Persian. And we were able to broadcast it through satellite, through our social media, and again through SD cards in our cell churches. And we were able to create disciples. The impact... I accept whatever glory you have, but it is actually for him. And praise God, we needed that. In mission field, we need something so serious about discipleship. We don't want accommodating church uh, courses. We don't want accommodating churches or accommodating Christ. We want real one. We want to have disciples that they have experienced Jesus in a way that they want to lay their lives for what they have believed and what they have experienced. It's not just giving them knowledge in brain, but giving them practical life, a changed life, so that they be able to continue what Paul says. We are living in a very serious Situation. That's the matter of life and death. Therefore, we need disciples that they are familiar with what is going to go ahead and they will, be, they will find themselves in it. So, great impact we have. As a matter of fact, I have come back because we want to redo it again based on the experience we have to make it much more appropriate for the mission field the mission field that it is under persecution. And I'm telling you guys, you have something here that the people, they don't have it. If I was your pastor, I'm glad I'm not. If, <laughs> if I was your pastor, actually I would encourage each one of you to come and be a part of Patmos. And if one day, if one day I want to change my location and come to States, I will come just to run the Patmos because that's something real. That's something that works great in mission field. So be proud of what you have because it is the answer for the mission field. It creates Christians that they can continue with what Paul says because they have experienced all these things and they have gone through the process of the discipline of grace, then they can say that, not only that, we are really rejoicing with the sufferings we have. 
Why? Because suffering eclipses all sort of sufferings. No matter what, we know that there is a purpose in it. And a purpose in it, there is, the purpose is that it's going to really create in us endurance. The endurance it's you now talking about, hupomene <laughs> in Greek, again, glorifying myself, hupomene, it's not the type that huh, you don't have any other choice. Oh, I have again to tolerate this. No. As a matter of fact, you are tolerating it from the standpoint of victory. You are already seeing yourself victorious. And you say that, you know what? I am going to tolerate it because this is going to end to something much better. What is that something much better? It says that it will produce character. (laughs) Dokime. Again, this Dokime character it is the word that it is being used in metal industry and purification. Imagine yourself, you are a jeweler and you want to purify gold. In the old times, they were putting it in the fire and they were taking it out and the guy was expert looking at it said, it has not been purified, put it back. It has not been purified, put it back. Put it back. Come on. How he could say that it has not been purified? When the guy who was doing the purification could see his own face like a mirror so clear in the liquid in his hand. That's purified. And the true disciples that they have gone through the discipline of grace. Now, the Lord has taken away whatever unpurified things they are in their, in their characters. Therefore, God wants through all these trials and persecutions and sufferings, he wants really to see his own image so clear in your character like a mirror. So that the image of God to be shiny through you. That's how it builds character. And when you see that, that's the real hope. You see that every day you are becoming like Jesus. And this puts hope in your heart. You know that the things are not out of control. As a matter of fact, God is in control. And taking everything in his hands, and it gives you really a new strength to continue because you know that you are an instrument in the hands of God to do whatever he asks from you. So, we have received the grace and we have put ourselves in the discipline of grace. That's why our view to the world, our view to sufferings, our views to persecution have changed collectively. 
and we know that since we live a godly life based on biblical values, we will suffer. We will suffer. Jesus didn't bring peace. As a matter of fact, he brought sword. So that the believing community and unbelieving community, they will be distinct. You don't believe me? Look at the world and what is happening. Day by day, we are getting closer to the end of the world. That's one way of looking at it. But day by day, we are getting closer to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's That's another way of looking at it. So, my brothers and sisters, continue. Continue letting he imprint his image in your lives through the things that you are now at the midst of it. He has a purpose for you and for me. We are his masterpiece. We are his answer to the lost world. Okay? Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you guys. And I'm sure that three minutes left. So, a short prayer will do. And you just, however, whatever God has put in your heart, you just pray accordingly. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are working in us and you are changing us, Lord, from glory to glory, step by step. And we are so grateful that you have called us to the life that is serious, to the faith that is serious. And we are so grateful that you have empowered us through your Holy Spirit so that we be the answer to the lost world. So, bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, and continue your work in them, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.